Being an expert on general automotive knowledge, what would the correct ignition timing be on a 1955 Bel Air Chevrolet with a 327 cubic inch engine and a four barrel carburetor? It is a trick question. Watch this. Because Chevy didn't make a 327 in 55. The 327 didn't come out till 62. And it wasn't offered in the Bel Air with a four barrel carb till 64. However, in 1964, the correct ignition timing will be four degrees before top dead center. Get ready for another hour of Drive Radio, brought to you by Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. Got a question for the experts? Then give them a call, 303-477-5600. Now it's time to pop the hood and get our hands dirty. Drive Radio on KLZ 560, The Source. All right, hour two. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for tuning in. Myself, Josh Goff, Legacy Automotive up in Boulder. Ridgeline Auto Brokers as well. Larry Unger, of course, answering phones. Charlie Grimes, our engineer. And I have got a few text messages I'm behind on. I'll try to get these answered as much as I can. So, anyways. 303-477-5600. That is our number. Text line, which I didn't mention much last hour. I should have. 307 200 307 282.22. One question that came in that I didn't want to get answered because this is sort of another universal question on the Hemi engines in Ram trucks. And somebody was dovetailing into John earlier on his 2011 saying 21 Hemi, use 88 or 91 octane. Don't want the Hemi tick. Now, my answer back was that's not the, the fuel itself, unless it's really bad fuel and is carboning up, is not the tick issue anyways. That's more of a quality of oil how often you're changing it, and the filter that you're using as much as anything. Am I correct in saying that, Josh? Yeah, that's very correct. So what's the rule of thumb on those? I like to keep them 5,000-mile oil changes. Max. Max. Correct oil synthetic and a good Wix or, you know, a good high-end filter. filter Which Napa's Wix. That's why we're saying that. So high-end filter. And an MOA in there because it's mostly the lifters going out because we forgot how to build lifters. Somewhere in the last five to seven years. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? Wh- I don't know. Why? I, we can't. Fi- I can't. Where's figure that it out. coming from? I don't know. Because it's not just one manufacturer. It's not. No, they all have the same. Right. The same problem. You know, Chrysler is the worst. I feel with it because of you know the Pentastars and the Hemis. I'm putting lifters in, but even GM, it's like I don't know why we forgot how to build it. I think, you know, I mean, the truth is, it's we've is it shrunk the oil is passages the, to everything oh, and is so it, there's not enough flow so it, that's part of it and, and you think the other part of it is we just we've trained everybody to think you don't have to maintain anything well, anymore so just drive 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 that's it too yeah so 10,000 plus mile oil changes you know and we've shrunk the passages and we got the oil doing everything else you know it's being a hydraulic fluid and a, a lubricant at the same time so that seems to be all of it and I I kind of feel it's Whoever's building, I, I, you know, the rumors are we've gone to one lifter manufacturer now, and that's part of it. But okay. I can't. I was going to say I can't not, back that one up. There so. can't be that many vendors for lifters in the first place, right? right. I never. I didn't think about that. That's th- thank you for saying that because that would explain why it's cross manufacturers because the people making them there's not a plethora of, so you're probably choosing from one, two, three, maybe max even. That are actually building them in the first place, right? And then that would explain it. And the the other thing I don't think we're looking at too is, you know, back when we had flat tappet lifters, they were about the size of a dime, and they were you know two inches tall, and they they did it. Now a modern day lifter is the size of a pen cap, almost. You know, they're 
they're not very big around and they're really small doing the same work so that could be it too you can only you know the machine tolerances aren't that tight and back when they were huge it didn't matter but I, now that they're really small i mean it's hard to show on the air but they're you know they're this big and you know basically a, the size of a marker cap is what they are okay all of by the way all of that makes total sense and i hadn't given much thought to the lack of manufacturers or vendors right. in the first place that can even build them so whether we're talking ford stellantis gm Toyota. I mean, now here's the thing for a lot of you listening, not everybody makes pushrod engines. So unless you have a pushrod engine, this isn't an issue. And there's a lot of manufacturers, the foreign cars have been using you know, overhead cam engines for a very, very long time. That's a whole different world. And it's why they don't have some of the similar issues that, when you have an overhead cam engine. That and Toyota still use mechanical valves. We use the puck style instead of, but then you've got a, you know, a three, six Pentastar has overhead you know, cam, but they have hydraulic lifters on them. Instead of the pucks. Instead of the pucks. So most of the Asian cars have puck style, or Honda still has adjustable mechanical valves on a lot of their cars to this day. You know, so that's why you don't see it as much on the Asian cars as you do on the domestics that will still have an overhead cam engine with a hydraulic lifter on it. Makes total sense. I... Never really thought about that either. That's, that makes yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. So the only way that I've found around it, do your oil changes. Use a good oil. Use high an MOA oil. and a high quality yes. filter. High quality That's oil. That's the way to do yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. High quality oil, high quality filter, all of that. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, okay. Um, you know, we got a call coming in. Larry's on the phone right now. There's lines open 303 477 5600. And uh, if there's anything you need, a question of the day. I should have mentioned that as we came into this hour. Question of the day is favorite car movies. Yesterday on the afternoon program, we did favorite car chases, you know, those sorts of things. But today it can just be, if you if yours is a favorite car movie of yours, you want to throw it out there, yeah, be my guest. Uh, again, 303-477-5600. All right, back to the whole battery thing and where they're made. And I know we sort of ended this in the last hour. And is there a difference in the quality of a battery, Josh. There is. Why? Well, one, a good battery lasts longer, but you can kind of, the way they're built. So a simple lead-acid battery is a bunch of lead plates stacked up and down. Okay. And basically acid poured into it. And that's what makes it work. But the quality of the plates is a, a big factor in there. Because I was wondering... That is the, the factor. The, is the factor, Exactly. So and by the way, it's not just the quality of the plate, but even how they're assembled in that battery, what how they're connected to one another, and so on. Right. Right. So and several kinds of the casings are all pretty much the same. All, it's yeah. what's inside of all of that that matters. It is, and a lot of times when you find the dead cells, is the actual plate broke free from the way they're built inside, yeah. and that that has two problems. So you always want to make sure your battery is held to the vehicle tightly. Yes. If it bangs back and forth. That's how they can break. They can break. And what so. can happen, one of two things, you'll either have a battery that loses a cell, or the worst part, which I, we've seen in our life quite a few times, is it bangs back and forth and the plate drops to the bottom and shorts to the other cells and the battery runs away. Yep. And then you just have this hot thing under the hood that's trying to catch the whole thing on fire. Right. Yep. But if you have, I've always found that the cheaper batteries, the cells break free. And that's how you lose a cell. And that's and by the way, because they're 
making them with less quality, that's how they can do less price. Right. Folks, there's still this you get what you pay for thing. You do. That's yeah. true with everything, including we're going to talk about shocks now. Same thing happens when it comes to shocks. Mike, you're up. Go ahead. Hey, John. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, it. Always love the show. Um, I'm coming up on my daily driver, uh, my 2020 Toyota 4Runner Limited. Okay. Coming up on 50,000 um, miles on it, and I'm saying to myself, uh, this is 50 to 60 is when I would w- want to replace the shocks on it. Uh, that's just my, I know, yeah, I know what Toyota says. I, I, I don't care what they say. I, I believe they are a maintenance item, and they wear out a lot sooner than most people believe. However, having said that, I really like the dampening and, and what the stock shock absorbers that came with it uh, the, the ride quality. It's obviously mm-hmm. deteriorating. And I'm wondering if there's uh, an equally, uh, do I put the, the stock ones back on? I really don't want anything that is, is uh, stiffer in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and so I guess, you know, beating around the bush here, uh, Napa products are excellent. Do they make something that is literally equal? And and I can't emphasize that enough. I I really like the dampening and the ability of the the stock shock. Pardon pardon the pun there, but um, is you got any thoughts on that? You have to stay with the factory one from oh, Toyota. Okay. I've been down this road. I have a, a customer who has a Lexus, which is Toyota. You know, yeah, very yeah, yeah, yeah. likes the way the car rides. Yes. If you put anything aftermarket on it, you got to remember the aftermarket. So most manufacturers have four to five different types of suspension on the exact same car. Right. And like if you had a TRD and the Bilstein on it, you know that thing rides rough. Yeah. Well, they're just trying to t- basically build one shock to replace four to five, six different shocks that came from the factory. Gotcha. So the only way, if you really like the ride, you have to go back with the manufacturer on it. All right. Well, and that's that's kind of where I was headed, and that makes perfect sense. Uh, uh, actually, manufacturers design suspensions around uh, that very thing as well as the tires they put they on. So when you go to change something, you have to understand that the geometry and the engineering is that they designed into it for what it is, what mm-hmm. they wanted it to be, right. which you may or may not like, uh, you're going to change if you if you go to a different Correct. Uh, tire or shock or whatever. Correct. Okay, it, well, that it, makes a ton it, of sense. Just, and uh, that's kind of where I was headed, but I needed a second opinion from you experts. Yeah, just go out and drive an SR5 versus your Limited versus a TRD. All four of those forerunners, the same year, same everything, are going to ride true. quite a bit different, especially the TRD. Very true. So that's why if you like it, you have to stay with the factory shock on that one. Makes well, sense. Well, you know, I'm an old guy. I got I got <laughs> yeah. plenty of shocks that will send my head into the ceiling with my exotic collection. Right. That's I hear you there, true. Mike. I, I just, my daily driver, I'm not going off-roading with the Limited. I mean, I, I'm a avid fly fisherman, so I, I do go down a two-track once in a while. 
and and that's just fine. I'm not taking it over uh, stuff that a TRD would be done for, nor do I want to. I'm getting to the point where I like quiet and comfort. And if I want something other than that, I got them in the garage. I can go fire them up. Makes sense. Exactly. You're the uh, man, Mike. Great show. Appreciate Thanks. you as always. I appreciate you very much. Again, Bill, hang tight from Firestone. We'll be right back. We'll take a quick timeout. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Geno's Auto Service is celebrating 40 years in business with an air conditioning recharge special. Refrigerant in your air conditioning systems needs to be able to absorb heat to cool your vehicle's interior. But refrigerant gets contaminants, evaporates, and breaks down over time. We use a cooling machine that takes out the refrigerant and cleans it. Then we put the clean refrigerant back, topping off with Freon at the right level. Stay cool this summer by making sure your system is up to date and ready for this year's summer heat. Geno's is a Colorado family-owned business and proud to serve families in Littleton for 40 years. We back up our work with Napa's nationwide 36-month, 36,000-miles peace of mind warranty. We invite you to check out all our Google reviews. Give us a call or go online to schedule an appointment. To make your life simpler, Geno's offers loaner vehicles so you can drop your car off and pick up when ready. We're AAA approved and located at Bulls and Platte Canyon. Stop in or visit us online at genosautoservice.com. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG. Do you know what to do in a traffic stop? Kevin Flesh would like to give you a few tips to help keep you and your passengers safe. If you are being pulled over for a traffic violation, slow down and put on your hazards, find a well-lit location that is out of the lane of traffic, keep your hands on the wheel where the officer can see them, and be polite. If you feel it's necessary, record the traffic stop, and then if you need any legal help, call Kevin Flesh at Flesh Law Firm. Kevin is our legal eagle and is an expert in traffic altercations and accidents, so put this number into your phone. 303-806-8886. You can also find Kevin online at fleshlawfirm.com. Kevin Flesh, Flesh Law Firm, and proud sponsor of Drive Radio. Napa know-how! Okay, your week is crazy. Your local Napa Auto Care Center understands. That's why we're open Saturday and Sunday for your convenience. Get that oil change you've been putting off way too long. Be done with those squeaky brakes that are on your last nerve. We get it. Our Napa Auto Care Center is opened all weekend when you maybe don't have soccer, dance class, or a late meeting at work. Call for a weekend appointment now. We're NapaOnline.com. Napa know-how! Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? will look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right, since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. 
Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. All right, I should have mentioned earlier as well, because we had him on Fix-It Radio for quite some time. In fact, Mike even commented on that to Larry. Uh, Ray's Tech, uh, Chad Rick with an R. Don't use the W, use the R. Chad Rick. We talked to him during, uh, during Fix-It Radio, and if you've got any leveling of concrete that needs done, so you've got some sunken concrete someplace, he has got a great system for raising that back up with a polyurethane, not mud jacking. Less of a hole that goes into the concrete, I think it's more accurate, lasts longer. There's all sorts of things that he can explain on how that works. And, uh, again, great individual. Had a great time on Fix-It Radio. If you want to see more about him, just go to the website, drive-radio.com. You'll see him listed. You'll start hearing some ads run here in the, in the coming weeks as well. But if you need anything done, leveling of concrete, a great sponsor now of all of our weekend programming, and appreciate him Greatly. So if you need anything done along those lines, please give him a call, and he'll take great care of you. Bill and Firestone, you're next. Hello. Yes. Uh, enjoy your show. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. I have a 95 Ford Escort. It's got about 240000 on it. Uh, it runs fine. I have no problems with it. It just has a check engine light, and I have emissions due next month, and they tell me if you have a check engine light, it won't pass. Is that correct? On a 95, I don't think that's a factor anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah, I was going to say it depends, but I don't think on that one. I'd have to look that one up. Oh, okay. Anyhow, Cer- certain years, do it doesn't matter, Bill. That's why I say that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's got two codes. It's throwing two codes. Okay. Uh, You've got to count the flashes because that's an OB1 <laughs> exactly. system. And as near as I can tell, there's, uh, one of them is a 214, and it says cylinder identification CID circuit failure. So I don't know what that means. I mean, you'd think if it couldn't identify what cylinder's what, it wouldn't be running. I don't know. Right. And what's your other code that you have? Uh, 542 fuel pump secondary circuit failure. But it still runs? Yeah, it runs fine. Hmm. If I were you, I'd run it through e-test and see what you get. Because I, yeah, you're you, not you, out anything by yeah. trying. I mean, they'll give you, you know, you get a second one for free, so you're not going to lose anything by doing that, right? I don't. They're not going to get you on the on the check engine light, you know. But if you're having fuel issues or running issues, that will also show up as you know cause you to fail. But if you make it through, then I wouldn't worry about it because I, oh. I kind of think it's probably a a PCM issue on it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it runs fine. I have no problems with that. It just, I was worried about that check engine light that they're going to fail me. Yeah, they, they shouldn't, at being that old. I don't think they're going to fail you for it. Maybe I could pull the ball out or something. Well, I would just run it through and, and see if they fail you first. And then, and if they don't, then oh, okay. be good to go. Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't know what those uh, you know, what that means, secondary circuit failure, fuel pump, you'd think if it 
fuel pump circuit failed, it wouldn't run. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. What, That's why I'm thinking it's the sense side of the, the PCM on it, because if it runs, then we know that the circuit actually works. So it's just the, uh-huh. the computer side sensing that the pump is running. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. And then so the cylinder identification, maybe same thing. Exactly huh? the same thing, because those are both kind of computer synth sides of it. It's like as in the computer getting the feedback that this is happening, but it's not enough for the computer to shut the car down or for the car to not run. So that's why I'm kind of thinking that the PCM is starting to not be happy anymore. Okay, I guess I should uh, give it a try and see what they say. That's all you Sounds can do. Good. See what happens. All right. All right, Bill. Appreciate you very much. Uh, Stuart and Loveland, you're next. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I have a similar issue. Well, it's a little more involved, I think, than Bill's. Okay. I have an 09 Hyundai Santa Fe. I got 247000 on it. Mm-hmm. And it's been running really good. I put some money in it for, you know, some running gear and stuff like that over time, but the car's been a good car. The other day I'm driving it, check engine light comes on, so I'm taking it driving, figure, well, I better get it to my mechanic right away, so I drive it up to the mechanic on the way, it starts flashing. I know you're not supposed to drive it far when you're shut it off immediately, but I'm stuck in the middle of the road, and I didn't want to mess with AAA, like you said. Mm-hmm. So I drove it two miles to my mechanic with his engine light flashing, mm-hmm. and it didn't have a lot of power. Then all of a sudden, it just surged forward and just run like a top. But when you came to a stop, it would just yes, almost die. Matter of fact, it did a couple times. So I get it to my mechanic. He puts it on his machine, scopes it out, and guess what? The odd number cylinders, it's six cylinders, the four, three, it's the big four, six, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the odd number cylinders says run and lean. Okay. And it says the front cylinders are running normal. Right. So we've changed sensors. We've done the EGR. We've done uh, uh, the camshaft sensor. We All of that good stuff. Check the wires to the plugs, the caps, everything. Now you'll run it, fill it up with gas, drive it and that dang light will come on again, and again, and again. And he's done this now for a week. I know he's ripping his hair out because he's he's a really good kid. He knows what he's doing up here in Loveland. Mm-hmm. His, name, uh, his name's David Scott. He's a gear works. thought I'd drop him a hint there. But anyway, um, now he's put it on, and the code reversed just the opposite. To the other bank. The odds. So he's yeah, so, so he's leaning. I don't know. Bank one or bank two? And so ahead. Well, it's all odd. He's changed all the sensors for all the both banks. Right. But if you have a, a lean code, you know, so it can be a vacuum leak somewhere in the system. Is it the intake manifold? He's is it, it? Is he's it smoked it? He's done everything. There are no leaks. But it's still lean. Yeah, but it's reversed. The code now says the front cylinders are lean, not the rear one. Can that computer be going nuts? It can, but they're pretty solid on, you, on, a, on, a, on a Hyundai. I mean, they're, that's not usually it. All cars anymore on late model cars is okay. just not what it used to be. Right. 
really, as far as that goes. used to be at one time, yeah, you put a lot of computers in back in the early days. It's not that way anymore, Stuart. You just don't do it much. Yeah, I thought maybe it was like a young Frankenstein thing, you know. <laughs> I thought that hump was on the other side. Never mind. Um, but, um, oh, man. Well, so, I mean, so, yeah, if it's switching back, bank and forth, does he, you know, what I do is I get all, all four O2 sensors together and start looking at how they're behaving and, you know, I would smoke it, make sure that your mass airflow sensors, there's no leaks. You know, the other thing is you can have issues with, if it was staying on one bank, you know, what we see on a lot of direct injected cars is that the valves are actually, the intake valves are actually getting carboned up and they can't breathe. So you'll have one bank that can breathe normally and the other bank that can't. So there's a, there's a ton of things on it. You know, it sounds like he's thrown everything at it, but there's, I mean, we can find it. It just takes some work to find it. On this. I know. It's like, like I, I run, most of the time I've run top-tier gas on this thing, even though it doesn't need it because it's not direct injection. Mm-hmm. And when I run it down the road, I let it eat. I figure if I'm paying that much for gas, I'm going to run it. And so um, when I travel down to Denver, if I can get it up above 80, it's up and above 80. Right. So it's not like it's sitting here idling, idling, idling. Uh, car getting carboned up. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. that, so I and I change the fluids and I run um, synthetic in it. And uh, Geno's used to do all. Steve and John mm-hmm. down there know this vehicle. Yeah. They, they worked on it for years, and um, they're they're a great shop too. By the way, anybody listening, go down there. Um. So anyway, I figured I'd just call you guys. And I'll let you. I just pick your brain and. If you know, I don't need an answer now. If you come up with something, um, you can get probably my phone number from Larry. Yeah, we can go put good. you on hold. Yeah. Let me do that. Uh, Stuart, I'll put you on and hold. You if uh, if Josh thinks of something, we could get a hold of you directly that way. Yeah, great idea. We'll do that. So, uh, Wade and Littleton, you're next. Go ahead, Wade. Hey, guys. Uh, I first just want to say I look forward to the show every week. Thanks, Wade. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, so I have a question on a little bit different subject. Okay. Uh, my dad bought a, a 67 Chevelle, and it has the Elbrock ProFlow 4 yep. fuel injection yep. system on it, and it is driving me crazy. So best way to describe this is if you really get on it, it's a, it's a manual transmission. It's a T5.6. Um, um, it runs healthy. But um, at part throttle or just, like, trying to take off a little bit, it, the best way I can describe it is like a bucking bronco, like, and, uh, and you literally have to, like, start over, like, shift in the neutral or push the clutch in and, like, try again. And myself and some other tuner guys have worked on it for hours. We cannot figure this one out. So I was wondering if you guys have any opinion or maybe a place i could go to i don't know anybody really works on those dude i guess first things first wade is it matched to where we've got proper cfm for engine itself i mean we've gone through the basics to determine you know what are the cfm needs of that vehicle you know of that engine itself compression cam all of that and then determine are we matching the fuel injection because a lot of guys will just build an engine go buy a fuel injection kit throw it on hoping it's right when it's probably 
you know, I'm not saying in this case it is, but in some cases it's not right. So have you gone through those steps? Yes, and I've tried. Um, so Edelbrock has their own little, like, Chart. app yeah. that you can use that yeah. connects through Bluetooth. Um, and going through their quick setup, um, I've done it, and the tuner guys have also done it. Um, it's a... And, and which pro which pro I can't talk pro flow kit do you have? Which part number is it? Do you know? I don't have the part number in front of me. I believe it's pro flow four. Yeah, but there's like a thirty five seven sixty thirty five nine forty. I mean, there's different CFMs of it, those. Is where I'm going. I think it was the seven forty. That's it. And it's a, it's a three twenty seven board forty over. It's a brand new engine. Um, it was all built by Cars Remember When. Okay. Uh, the guy guy who bought it from put eighty grand and in, okay. into a Cars Remember When and right. Um, so anyway, everything is brand new. It looks gorgeous, but um, so staring at the numbers, like I'm I'm wondering throttle position throttle position sensor seems like it's putting out funny numbers. So that's kind of like my next thought. But um, does it idle? Know. Will the car idle just fine? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it idles perfect. And it's, full throttle, it's fine. And full throttle, it's fine. Yeah, Even like medium throttle, it's fine. It's just if you try to like take off slow or or even just rolling along and just try to give it a tiny bit of gas, then it can start doing this jerking, yeah, so like bucking. I would look at three things. Look at the throttle position sensor. Usually, it's half a volt is idle. And then as you go up, it works towards 4.5 is all the way open. Right. So those numbers, have, you don't have to have it running. You just I'm sure that thing has a little iPhone-sized device that will give you those numbers on it. And just push right. the gas pedal so down I, slowly I, I and should, watch I it sweep just, up and down. Yeah, so if I have the ignition on, so the computer's right, on, exactly. I should have 5 volts. And then, yeah, the, the throttle position sensor is just like a potentiometer. It right? is a potentiometer. That's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. And, you, and you have, just quick, have you... Tried going all rich, all lean, seeing how it drives accordingly. I mean, I think on that one, it's actually probably a little too much fuel injection for that engine at our altitude. That's my own thought, Wade. Have you tried leaning it way out to see if it changes anything or upping the timing a bunch to see if that helps with anything? Well, um, timing is probably the next thing that I'm going to look at. But uh, I was watching the like the fuel trim and stuff according to the computer. Right, right. Um, the fuel trims are generally negative, and it's saying air air to fuel ratio is like at like twelve, which to me is a little suspect. It's way rich, yeah. Yeah, I, I, just yeah. from looking at if that's a seven forty, that's actually an EFI system designed for the LS engines, which you don't have. Okay, so I I might be wrong on that. And, and that's where I want to want to get really, and you can email me on this too. Wait, I want to get really specific on which particular part number EFI is it. I because here's the here's the Biggest mistake is for everybody listening is building hot rods. Mm-hmm. The biggest mistake most hot rodders make, they put too much carburation, too much fuel injection on the cars. And it's happened. I see it all the time. I see even recommendations. I bought a 32 Ford the other day from a guy that he had trouble with the carburation on it, which I've got running well, and it works perfect and all that. But he had he went to a shop that told him to buy the Holly 
their fuel injection, you know, their sniper kit in an 850 yeah. CFM for a stock target master type, you know, good wrench <laughs> engine, 230 horsepower V8. So my point is, a lot of these guys, even when they're building, just they overbuild the fuel side, then they wonder why they won't run. My gut feeling with you is you're way, way, way rich. Yeah. I would lean that f- injection out as much as I can and up the timing and see what happens. Yep. Oh, and another question. I, I haven't uh, – I need to get it up on a list. I wonder on that system, does it have two oxygen sensors? And I also wonder if no, there are – No, it only has one. I'm looking at does the pictures it, of it right now. It only has one. Yeah, and I wonder if the oxygen sensor placement has anything to Could do with it. Could very well be. If it's too but, far but it, it, but it is if it's too far downstream, it'll affect it, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it is working, but... Well, and you um, you haven't looked to see where it at, if it's in the head or if it's way down. Yeah, I haven't had it on okay. the Okay, that'd be yet. the next thing to check. I mean, the easy thing with an oxygen sensor, you can unplug it, take right. it out of the loop. And then it stays in closed oh. loop. And if they run better in closed loop than open loop, then you know, there's then you know where you're headed. If it won't run in closed loop, then it's way rich. Yeah. Oh, and that's what I was trying. I I might have made a mistake yesterday, but I was like, oh, if it's throttle position sensor, I I just unplugged it to see what it would do. Uh, that wasn't a good idea. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> even, it needs it even. It has to have that. It needs it even in open loop. And then the only other yep. sensor would be is that is that a mass or a map system? Right. Um, it has a air intake. It has a manifold. Map, pressure map. And I'm looking at it. There's IAT. no, there's no mass airflow sensor on these. I didn't think that exactly. They just calculate it based yeah. on yeah. IAT and so, so that's the other thing. Yeah, all it is. It's speed density is not really based on no. that motor to guess. It's based on uh, CFM, right? And again, wait, I would venture to guess it's over CFM. Yeah, it is. Well, uh, oh, actually, that's a really good question. Or, sorry for taking up so much. No, time. you're fine. It's a good question. These are these are universal uh, for a lot of other folks building stuff like this. So no, it's good. So. so if I remember correctly from college, uh, if you don't have a MA, a mass air flow sensor, right. you're calculating airflow based on the an Excel spreadsheet. In, intake yeah. air <laughs> it's a chart. It's and, an Excel spreadsheet and, way that they and, predefined. And, yep. And, and, but you're calculating it based on the intake air temperature sensor, which in this case is like they drilled a hole. You're, in well, and they base it also off manifold coolant, pressure. Coolant temperature, manifold and pressure, then, throttle and pressure. And the O2 sensor. And the O2 sensor. Right. Oh, but that's one you're exactly. closed loop. So, right. So I wonder if, uh, I wonder if just, yeah, it, the yeah. computer's doing, the, the map is wrong, like yeah. the engine map. Well, uh, and again, if it's over CFM, no matter how far you detune it, it's not enough. What, and the other thing I would look at, Wade, is if you pull the spark plug out to see how rich it is. No, I haven't. Pull That's a spark a plug idea. and see how black it is. If it's super black, it's way rich. And who runs? And I'll bet it is. Who runs I, I, fuel I pressure control on that? It I'm does. Sorry? So it, it can it controls, it controls fuel pressure, pressure too. So, yes. but the other thing is, what's your real fuel pressure into it? Is it too high? So even if the computer calculates, it doesn't know. So it say it's supposed to be thirty two psi, but you're at fifty psi. You're going to put a lot more through the injectors, and you're going to be right. rich again. That's right. So you're going to overfuel again that way. So. Oh. That's the yep. other thing to check That's is interesting. what you're... That's a really good point. Because a lot yeah. of times you had to modify the fuel system to do it. You know, it just had an old mechanical pump and had one line. So sometimes guys put a return or they put some other device in there and a different pump than maybe what it's supposed to have. The computer has no way on that system, at least if it's like the other ones I mess with, to know truly what fuel pressure is. Well, so you, you could act- be making actually- 60 PSI and it thinks you're making 32. So if you pulse with the injector for a millisecond, you're running you're pretty much fuel. double the fuel That's through right. it. That that's, a really, that's a really good point, and actually, I was kind of playing with that yesterday. Um, 
on the Edelbrock on the settings you can mm-hmm. play with. Mm-hmm. It, it does have options for fuel pressure, but it also surprisingly to me it does have a readout that gives you the current fuel pressure. So I guess it has a maybe sensor. it has a it has to read it. Yeah, so. and and it was at uh, forty seven mm-hmm. psi okay. uh, when it's running and. There were two options in the app, either 42 psi or 47. But it has a, it, it absolutely has a sensor, which is in the in the rail. Okay, bizarre. good. That's <laughs> good. Some of them don't. So that's wait. I got to yeah. run. Uh, give All me right, send me, well, send me I, an email I, on more of that if you need to. Troy and Thornton, Ray, hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. Drive Radio KLZ 560. Hello, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with Kins and Leslie Distributing, your local BG Products distributor. Back again this week with your BG Tech Tip. This week, we are going to talk about brakes, specifically the brake rotors and the burning question of the day, can I turn my rotors? In the good old days, worn brake rotors could often be resurfaced or turned if the brake pads had worn on them unevenly or too far into the rotor itself. But today, in order to save cost and weight and friction, most rotors are now manufactured with less material available to resurface in the event that the rotors become unevenly worn. This is not to suggest that rotors on new cars can never be resurfaced but most commonly, by the time a new modern rotor is worn, it will need to be replaced. It is also critical that whenever pads or rotors are replaced, the entire hydraulic brake system be inspected for proper operation. We recommend a complete brake fluid exchange anytime new pads or rotors are installed. This will ensure proper operation of the brake system and help prevent costly repairs in the future. Thanks again, Drive Radio listeners. This is Chris Hammond with BG. We'll talk to you again next week. Never know how. You're here. We're here. Isn't it about time we met? Our Napa Auto Care Center would like to introduce you to our top quality vehicle maintenance and repairs, nationwide warranty, and service you can trust. And yes, there's something in it for you. Stop by our Napa Auto Care Center for your special welcome kit. It has the information you need to get to know us. Plus, welcome specials to save you money from the very start. Visit NapaOnline.com. Napa Know Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. You are responsible for making sure that you are properly insured. But you're not alone. While Paul Leuenberger believes in personal accountability, he wants to make sure he's setting you up for success as your home and auto insurance agent. Paul will teach you about how you can save money on your premium while being fully covered in case of a loss. Your insurance should be for emergencies, not petty cosmetic issues. 
Insurance is not a coupon, your bank account, or for maintenance. Paul Lewinberger will tell you that your insurance is for emergencies. And when you work with Paul, you'll be rewarded for your diligence. Ask him about their incentivizing rebate program. Take a higher deductible and take responsibility. It's just one of the ways they can afford to keep their rates low. Take control of your life. Take responsibility for your insurance coverage. Call Paul Lewinberger with American National Insurance now at 303-662-0789. That's 303-662-0789. All right, we are back. Drive Radio. Myself, Josh Goff from Legacy Automotive up in Boulder, which we appreciate very much. Ray and Littleton, you're next. Go ahead. Hi, this is Ray. Hello, Ray. Hey there. Hey, great show as always, guys. Thank you, sir. I'm going to um, ship a car from Littleton up to uh, Wheatland, Wyoming. Okay. And so, you know, I got online. I've used this place called Roadrunner a couple years ago. It seemed to work okay. And then I picked another one called Nationwide. But, you know, I just want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. I'd kind of prefer to work with a company that goes back and forth to Wyoming, but I, I just use I use you ship on that kind of stuff, Ray. They bid on it. They've typically got other loads that they're making. They'll do a one or two off kind of a deal. You're not typically dealing with some big company. It's a, usually a a guy and his wife and you know long trailer. And now there are some other folks that are more commercial that are in that space as well. But I just put it on you ship. Let them bid it, and that's what I've done. So just look up you you ship like, dot com. Say that again. You as the letter U ship. Dot com. Got it. And you just let them bid. Okay. You tell them where it's going, when it needs to be there, what some of the parameters are, and they take it from there. They'll bid on it, and you let them fight over the, the load. And once it's signed, sealed, and delivered, they'll tell you how it works. And I've, I've had several done that way with no issues. That's great. All right, great. I will get on the horn and okay. check it out. Thank you. All so right, Renault, Ray, you're very welcome. Anybody else listening? Were you trying to ship a car? I've had good luck doing that. Troy and Thornton, you're next. Good morning, fellas. Good morning, Troy. Good morning. Uh, quick question about a 2010 Ram 3500 pickup. I need to bleed the power steering on it. Um, and I just want to know what's the correct way of getting this done. Do you? What, what, I'm, I'm confused. You don't normally have to bleed anything. What's going on, Troy? Well, okay, so when I step on the brake and turn at the same time, I can get uh, I feel back from you know something not working correctly, like there's air in the the hoses or something like this. That's a hydro boost and system. Thought, I'm, is it a diesel? Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, hydro boost system. So if you're feeling something, there's typically not air in there. If there's air in there, the pump's bad or it's cavitating or there's something else going on. You, there should be no. I mean, the air naturally just comes out. I mean, to ble- I guess if you were gonna bleed it and try to get some air out from doing like a flush or something, jack the front wheels up. Crank, you know, start it up, have it run, go, you know, just go, you know, stop to stop, stop to stop, back and forth, and that'll take whatever little bit of air is in there out. But other than that, there is no bleeding process, Troy. Okay, okay. If if it's got something going on, it's got something going on. The pump's not good, it's cavitating, there's a problem, something. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I'm kind of wondering. It had to, a few years ago, I had to have it adjusted because I cranked it really hard, and I think, you know, I damaged it or whatever, maybe. But uh, ever since then, you know, when you step on the brake and turn it, you kind of get that 
that bumping feeling, I guess. I don't, you know, and the brake and and the steering wheel. So yeah, I was just curious. How do you get rid of that? I've seen some videos on YouTube that you, like you just had described, you you accelerate the motor just a little bit and turn yep. the wheel, take the, the load off wheel, of it. The wheel yeah, take the load off first. I don't know if they're showing you that, but yeah, you want to jack it up, take the load off, and they just go, you know, stop to stop. Okay. All right, so there's not necessarily any air in it. It might just be something else. If it's and if it's getting air back in it, there's a problem. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Because it right. should not have any. All right. Appreciate it. All right, Thanks. Troy. Thank you. Got to take another break because we got long winded there on that last call with uh, with Wade, which was fine. It was a great call, and Russ has got to follow up to that as well. Russ, I'll give you plenty of time. We'll be right back. Drive Radio KLZ five sixty. No one likes to be that person. You know the one stuck on the side of the road, busted tire, making everyone slow down to get around them. With Legacy Automotive's new tire sales, you don't have to be that person ever. Here in our Colorado climate, you might be closer to needing new tires than you think. A bad set of tires can be dangerous and even life-threatening. Tires should be regularly examined for cracks, bulges and blisters, and other signs of wear and tear on your vehicle. The skilled team at Legacy Automotive in Boulder will be able to examine your current set of tires, let you know what they recommend based on what they find, and help you get on the road. Legacy Automotive is a Napa Gold Certified Auto Care Shop and employs ASC Certified Technicians. So don't be that guy, and make an appointment at Legacy Automotive today at 303-396-0555, or visit them online at LegacyAutomotive.com. Legacy Automotive, locally grown auto repair. Most oil changes are the same. Old oil out, new filter, new oil in. It's a routine, a chore on the to-do list. What if your oil change wasn't the same as the rest? What if it was life-changing? BG. A BG oil change can change your life because it comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system, which means a lifetime of peace of mind for you. Find a shop near you at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. BG. How great is the free nationwide peace of mind warranty from your Napa Auto Care Center? 24-month, 24,000-mile protection. Great. Honored by more than 13,000 Napa Auto Care Centers nationwide? Great. Travel with confidence knowing that if you have a problem, help is just a toll-free call away. Oh, and did we mention that your Napa Auto Care Center's peace of mind warranty is free? Get this great warranty at your nearest Napa location. Napa no. Have you ever thought about owning a classic car, hot rod, older truck, or an out-of-the-norm vehicle? Worldwide Vintage Autos is the place to go for all your vintage car and truck needs. With over 80,000 square feet of indoor showroom and warehouse space, they make the shopping experience easy. Every vehicle they sell is checked out by their own staff and is verified as a roadworthy vehicle, and this includes consignment vehicles. When you buy a vehicle from Worldwide, it's a vehicle you can safely drive home. They sell over 1,200 vehicles a year, and most of their inventory comes from people like you and me. If you want to eliminate the hassle of selling your vintage or unique vehicle, give them a call today. By the way, sign up today for the VIP list. They'll give you updates on all their new inventory that the general public doesn't see yet, and it's at a discounted price. Worldwide Vintage Autos. Don't let the name fool you. They sell worldwide, but their showroom is right here in Denver. Find them today at WorldwideVintageAutos.com or call 877-378-4679, and make sure you tell them John Rush from Drive Radio sent you. 
All right, we are back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for listening. Myself, Josh Goff from Legacy Automotive at Boulder, Ridgeline Auto Brokers as well. Russ, what's going on? How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I actually just went through that exact problem. But, you know, I mean, it was on a Holly system okay. that I put on a, a buddy yep. of mine's Camaro. Yep. Um, so I had two issues. One was the uh, throttle position sensor. When I would check it, it always looked fine. Um, it wasn't until I finally graphed it that there was a spot in there mm-hmm. where it was dropping back. Bad spot. And it was seeing zero. Yeah, there you go. Good one. Um, and so what was happening is it was going from, like, just over quarter throttle to zero to, you know, over quarter throttle, and it would cause it to buck every time. Yeah. Um, so, because it just went from, you know, everything to nothing to everything. And... uh so that would induce that bucking issue in there. Um, the, the other issue I had is it was running way too rich. Um, Imagine that. I had mine. It was running like 11 and a half. Yeah. Where it needs to he's be He's not far 14. off of that. He's at 12, so he's not far off of that, Russ. Yeah. So he needs to be up in the 14, 14 and yeah. a half. 14, 7 to 1 is stoichiometric. Yeah. Um, so um, the... Uh, so by getting the throttle position sensor fixed, that took care of a lot of the bucking. That kind of took that out, but it was still way down on power because it was just so rich. Um, it just, so leaning it out brought the power back too. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the two issues I had. Um, and I, and the Holly system's the same way. You can see your fuel pressure and mm-hmm. you can see all that stuff. Okay. just, uh, you know, we're... We're at so much altitude. I think their their uh, their spreadsheet is just way too rich. Oh, it is, and, and that's the other problem that we didn't talk about. But thanks, Russ, for saying that. The other problem I always had, even when I was doing this stuff on a daily basis, you know, you'd buy something from. This was back when fuel injection was really coming out, and you know, you'd get a kid in, and they'd say, "Oh yeah, it's all programmed right. It'll be great." Well, those guys didn't have the foggiest idea what you know six thousand square, you know, six thousand feet in elevation even was, and every single thing you got was super rich to the point where in a lot of cases you couldn't even lean it down far enough, and that was always a big problem early on. And to your point, Russ, even today, you know, they're building these things for the, you know, 49 and a half other places in the country because even this one little area of, you know, Wyoming and Colorado is very, very limited market share to what they do. So, yeah, they're building everything for sea level. Yeah, well, and the other issue is, is- the throttle bodies really are just too big for up here. They are. Mm-hmm. You're correct. Um, it takes a lot of your throttle response out. You're correct. Because um, a lot of them are 850 or better. Yep. You're right. And on a small Which block, is too much I mean, for a small a block, block 327. Right. Yeah. Unless that thing's putting out, you know, 700 horsepower, Russ, it's still too much yeah. Still too much fuel injection. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's the other issue. You just kind of, I mean, at that point, you just have to tune around it. That's right. Um, but... Yeah, the, I mean, the two biggest issues... Why, are, and, and Russ, really quick, why big. is it that car builders can't figure out what we're talking about? Why is this so hard for Well, them? it's because people want the biggest and baddest, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand. Um, they see you know, the numbers from drag racers, they see that stuff, and they don't think about drivability, they don't... 
and and the bad thing is then they fight drivability all the time. I mean, c- really quick, case in point, for a lot of you listening that may not understand all of what we're talking about. So back in the day, drag raced a lot. Went to Bandamere's and started off with just my old GS that I still own. Then I had a big block Camaro we ran for a while that was an LS6 motored car, you know, and it was the detuned LS6, so it wasn't the full, you know, 11 to 1, but 10 and a quarter to 1, you know, had the LS cam and all of that. And Russ, at our elevation, running at Bandamere's, I could get 12.4, 12.5 out of that car with a 750 vacuum secondary carburetor, which tells you you didn't need an 850 double pumper to still run that engine at this elevation. Case in right. point. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, one of the issues we do have here now um, is the ethanol kind of screws stuff up a little bit. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, but... Yeah, but most I mean, of it is yeah. really what you're saying. They're just they're just over CFM'd in most cases. They're just way too big. Yep. Um, you know, up at our altitude, unless you got a power adder. Um, I mean, obviously, if you got a power adder, you want more because you don't want that to be your. Well, I mean, I mean, on this but, particular case, if that was a 327, that's you know 12 to one compression, and it's got a you know over half inch you know three quarter inch cam, for example, in it, and big ported heads, and you know you know huge headers and exhaust. Well, okay, at that point, yeah, we might get by with an 850 you know fuel injection system on it, but I guarantee you that thing's 150 to 200 CFM over what it should be. Yeah, guaranteed. That's exactly what it is. Um, I mean, and that's where you get your bog out, off idle and everything. Yeah, because too much just, fuel, it can't. It just it, can't it, it, it. Yeah. you can't fight it. Yeah, it's now, just, you can't burn it all. Yeah, right? now you go down to sea level with it, and it'll be a monster. We got more air, but you got more air. Yeah, so exactly. Um, well, even up here, Russ, but, you take a day like we had yesterday, where it's nice and cool and dense, and all that rain, it'll run better even yesterday than it would normally. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You're, you're perfect example. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, and again, um, I know what you mean by, you know, the car builders, they're building cars, they're looking at these numbers, and they're trying to, you know, you know kind of pump it up for the customer, I think, or even the customer, I think, sometimes wants all this. And nobody's got the guts to say, okay, Mr. Customer, no, that's too much. We can make this thing perform and run extremely well, and it'll have good numbers and plenty of power and response by doing this. But no, they cave into the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and that's what it is, is because they're all afraid they're going to lose a sale. Yep. Um, but it, unfortunately, with the, the throttle bodies being too big, they uh, they hurt themselves because they just don't perform as well as they could. That's right. You're 100% correct. Um, Everything you're saying, Russ, spot on. Can't disagree but, with anything. Yeah. But definitely what he was saying, he's way too rich. He's got to back that whole map back out, or he's going to fight that the whole time. and. Definitely check that throttle position. And like I said, you know, just some of the first early things I would do is just lean that thing as much as you can, bump your timing way up, and see if it helps. If it does, you know you're going the right direction, and that's the problem. Well, and graphing the the throttle positioning sensor is real quick and easy, too. Um, Just make sure it's smooth and and good, because... If it's if that if the computer thinks that you're bouncing any, up and down any on flat title, spot, you've got a problem. Correct. It, it's going to screw it up. You're but, right. Um, you're right. But yeah, I'll bet you a lot of his bucking is probably it's just flooding it. Yep. Yep. So, you're right. Get it. Fourteen and a half. Get it somewhere right close to that, and it'll it'll run a whole lot better. Russ, appreciate you very so, much, and just kind of solidifying what you know Josh and I were talking about. And it, believe me, folks, this is a problem. For a lot of you that are not builders and you're not looking at this, you're probably thinking, why are we talking about this? Well, there's a lot of folks that listen that do build cars, and you know they're hot rodders, and they're building an old car, and they're doing their best to get things dialed in. And there's not, unfortunately, in this day and age, there's not a lot of technicians left 
that really even understand all the things we're talking about. The regular automotive repair technician at a regular shop knows nothing about what we just said. Now, they know the basics and they can follow along, but they've never done it is my point. And they, and to their credit, they've never had to. They're production techs. They're working on cars daily. You know, they're trying to get you staying on the road and all of that. And no, they're not into the car building aspects. And the other thing I think that screws a lot of this up is you go turn on any show, any builder show, and they're making the problem we're discussing worse because they're throwing these parts on. They are at sea level. And a lot of guys are watching this stuff thinking, oh, yeah, I want a car just like that. Well, not at our elevation, you don't, nope. because it won't run like that at our elevation. So there's a lot of other things going on here that, that have to be discussed. And frankly, there's just not a lot of folks out there that are at this elevation that understand all of what we're talking about. Even some of the guys that move in here from other areas that try to build cars and do things are lost because they've never dealt with 6,000 feet of elevation. Very true. I have no other That's way to say it. Very true. So... In most cases, rule of thumb if you're building a car, whatever it says at sea level, back that off 150 or so CFM, and you're going to be much better off than you would be otherwise. At our elevation, it's way easy to adjust for the lack of CFM through other tuning measures than it is to try to take CFM out of the system you just put on. So I'll leave it at that. We'll come back. Another full hour coming your way. Myself, Josh Goff, Legacy Automotive up in Boulder. Larry Unger, of course, answering phones. Charlie Grimes. We'll be right back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments. Download previous programs and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.